are we gonna just uh are we gonna do it are we gonna talk about the song asia now <laughs> oh man We figured out what that one was about, so this one should be a piece of cake. Oh, yeah, this one, yeah. <laughs> Chinese music under banyan trees, dude ranch above the sea, dime dancing. You know, this one's easy. This is a piece of cake. <laughs> I feel like with this song, I, I enjoy the feel of the words as they mix with the the music. You know, it's, it's more, uh, I guess, maybe impressionistic or something. Yes, very much so, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, Black Cow could ostensibly be written from the point of view of someone like Donald Fagan. You know, his personal experiences may be, you know, informing what's going on there to some extent. Um, but Asia, the song, like, this is really, like, uh, a, a extra-dimensional vision, I think, uh, <laughs> lyrically. And it has to be that because it's extremely that, musically speaking. I mean, it's it's almost sort of just a launch pad to get us to minute what three four when the band just kind of rises up and takes over and blows your mind there's some speculation that the song is about esalen um like up on the hill Mm -hmm. they don't care Uh, they've got time to burn sure um people uh who are detoxing spiritually or otherwise um being the subject I feel like they would have a pretty jaded take on people who were uh, present at Esalon in 1977. There are, there's, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's the lyric... Uh, the Don Drapers of the world. Throw out the hardware, let's do it right, which could or you know, maybe a drug reference. Um, hardware, of course. But, uh, <laughs> let's do it right. I love that. Let's do it right. That's yeah, very modern for 1977. <laughs> uh I mean, that, that, there's lyrics like, yeah, double helix in the sky tonight. Mm. That's perfect, too, because then you have Wayne Shorter and Steve Gadd forming a sort of double that's helix. Right. Of, that's how I always associate Hell yeah. that. It feels like flying around above some cliffs in the dark, this song. And then there's like a party. <laughs> it feels like being very high. This, I mean, this is the closest thing I think on on the record, and maybe in their entire you know uh, catalog that actually like represents what it is like to be not like talking about someone who is high or wants to get high, but just like literally the the experience behind your eyes of when you are fucking high. <laughs> this yeah. is the song that it's reproduces that. Yeah, exactly. Probably the closest thing they ever did to something that could be. Described as psychedelic. Yeah, double helix in the sky tonight. Like, there's no coming back. You don't just put a lyric like that in a song and then be like, "Well, I don't. I didn't mean it." It's like you put some kind of crazy poetic lyric like that in your song, and then you have like this dream ballet that practically interrupts it with like. Yeah, there's the marimba breakdown, and then of course there's Wayne Shorter's sax solo. There's Steve Gadd doing his thing, and the then drums are fucking oh. yeah. The drums at the end. <laughs> Which 
which was done in two takes apparently which is pretty rare also interesting he just, like nailed it yeah, and that's the thing is like they just and you see this again in classic albums like they knew it when they knew it right like they when they played jake Graydon's solo for for peg they were like obviously that's it. it that is the answer that 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 fulfills the the equation here so if they had gad come in and kill it the way that he does on this because it sounds fucking amazing like they could hear it, you know, and you don't need more than two takes in that case. Yeah, the last 30 seconds of this sound really unlike anything else they've ever done. It almost sounds like very futuristic. Like when they're layering those synths on at the end and that beat comes, it's almost something like you would hear on an Aphex Twin album. Sure. Or something. Like it's totally ahead of its time. And it's like they were given this vision of like the future. Like they're building and building and then it's just something just totally like out of the realm of anything they've done or probably anyone else had done at the time. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing that I was like kind of thinking about, you know, unless I just spun it for the one trillionth time, uh, you know, a few minutes before we hopped on here, like this is like, it, it, I mean, it's taken for granted at this point. Like, of course it's Steely Dan. It's Asia. It's one of the most famous records of all time. But like this was un, this was fucking unprecedented at this moment in time, coming off of where they were, you know, even as extraordinary as like Katie Lied and Royal Scam were and the like it, it, crazy kind of leaps and bounds they took across those two records. Asia is like a quantum leap forward. It's like, it's like coming into the third dimension out of two. It, it's, it is to, to have sat down in 1977 and pulled this record out of the sleeve for the first time and dropped it down and you get Black Cow first. And that's amazing. Yeah. And then and you get great. this song. And then you get this. Like, I cannot even imagine what that experience must have been like to a, a Steely Dan fan. And obviously, you know, it's not an experience you really get anymore because almost everyone starts with Asia. I, I certainly did. But um, it it's. It, it, it's worth kind of just thinking about trying to put yourself in the shoes of the 1977 contemporary listener to imagine what this must have felt like listening to for the first time. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, some of the jazz guys were bringing rock towards them like miles and, um, you know, Herbie Hancock, they were doing some fusion, you know, there's fusion stuff going on weather report, but then to bring, you know, something like Wayne Shorter's sax into, you know, these R and B and pop, sort of structures was i think pretty ahead of its time absolutely the way they did it to make it so kind of listenable and satisfying totally and for an audience like theirs right like an audience like uh, like me for instance who like you know i certainly appreciate uh, uh jazz music to the extent that i i can uh but i just i don't have the i don't have the the taste for it you know i don't i don't have the the uh, it's like dogs apparently can't taste salt right like they just you, you can give them a salty thing and they just it doesn't register for them like i just don't have that taste bud in my in my brain in order to like appreciate the the full flavor and texture of what they're doing and yet they don and walt can you know find a way to put it across Ian's like a dog who can't taste salt. That's and, it. Uh, <laughs> and this is just like a whole lot of salt. <laughs> it's like giving me salt uh, or, or giving me the ability to taste salt as a dog all of a sudden. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's yeah. You're a dog who can suddenly taste <laughs> seasonings. You suddenly develop preference imagine if you couldn't taste salt like if if the concept of salty food did not like you know you could add all the salt you want something and it never enhanced the flavor. like that is yeah, i guess explains dog behavior because they're always just like uh i'm so hungry because like the nothing ever actually tastes good to them they're just like hungry fucking okay. idiots wow it's anti-dog uh, statements coming from you sorry um man chinese music 
<laughs> Chinese music Chinese always music. <laughs> Chinese music. That's just one of the lines in this song. Always, always sets me free. Sets me free. Angular oh. Angular Jesus banjo. <laughs> Angular banjos sound good to me. Uh, what is you, dime dancing? Drugs. Back in the old days, you would pay you would pay a pay someone to dance with you for like five minutes. Like you would pay for a dance. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. It's like in like the early 20th century, if like a guy wanted a dancing partner for one song, he would pay, like there were women there that you could pay for a dime. Interesting. Something. 10 cents right. a dance. Sure. <laughs> I hope I'm not just completely pulling that out of my ass. But I yeah, think I'm that sure was... that was something that happened. <laughs> it sounds surreal. <laughs> really. What does that have to do music. with the other lyrics here? Yeah. I have absolutely no idea. I mean, anytime there's an obtuse, you know, weird metaphor or turn of phrase I, with these guys, certainly at this time, the, the natural inclination is just to assume that they're talking about, you know, you know it's fucking same as uh, um, Shine That Silver Bowl. Uh, on uh, glamour profession, although I guess that's a little bit more explicit. But um, it, like this person, if, if we're if we're taking it as like this guy is just completely gone, right uh, at the dude ranch above the sea, his phrasing might not even make any sense. <laughs> he might not even be able to describe what he's trying to describe with actual words that mean anything. It could yeah, just, it's just be shucking all and Chinese and music good. to me. That's uh, right, Chinese music under banyan trees. These. <laughs> Well, he's settling down with Asia. That's my take. So his dime dancing days are over, and now he's just like in this, you know, warm cocoon of a relationship. So you think of Asia as an actual person? I think so. I think it's, interesting. I mean, if the cover and the song, and it's all supposed to be kind of one conceptual thing, which you know, not necessarily is, but if you take it in that direction, it could be. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that. That is a, a a pretty clear potential reading here. You know, as as clear as you're going to get on a song like this. For for whatever reason, I've always thought of Asia, and again, maybe it's you know uh, has to do with the the spelling of it and the way this song in particular sounds, and the fact that sixty percent of it is this extraordinary, just full band fusion flowering moment. Um, like it's not necessarily just like a person, like it's it's an idea or something greater, you know, a, a spiritual uh, destination or something more than, or you know, maybe it's a person, but it's also it's more a, than a person. Yeah, you know? you know, a person can be that too. It's uh, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, <laughs> a great name for a song, great name for a record. We talked about this a little bit with James on uh, on Royal Scam. Kind of weird that that record is named the Royal Scam and ends on the Royal Scam when that kind of is so dissimilar from everything else that's going on on that album um, and not necessarily representative of what you get on Kid Charlemagne or Altamira. Asia, the song on Asia, the like that, that is perfect. Like this is the song, this is the title for the record, this is the overall feeling and flavor of what they're doing here. Like this is the... This is what this is what it's all about. Yeah, and that's probably another reason it's so beloved. It's like they hit on some sort of uh, conceptual masterstroke with the the song, the album, the imagery of the cover. It, like, yes, it all works perfectly in tandem. It's just infinitely mysterious. It's mysterious. You know, it has an actual sense of uh, it, it's enticing. Whatever it is, the fact that we none of us know, and we all. I think every time I listen to the song, I feel like this time I might get some more of an idea of what the song is and I, I never do but i always like hearing it it's endlessly listenable to me also it's like uh, i i never get uh, as as many times as i listen to this record and even some of the songs on this record 
uh, that, you know, maybe aren't as quite, quite as exciting at this point as they were 10, 15 years ago for me. Like Asia, the song is always just gets me. It's the, like, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's maybe the, the, I, you've, you've talked about this concept before, right? Alex, like the, the exact moment, like the second that the exact, the entire discography has peaked, right? It, what, what have you <laughs> yeah. said that that is before? Yeah, there was a, a thread on uh, Twitter that I love because uh, I think I said the moment it peaked was when Don sings the word quota on uh, Glamour Profession. On Glamour Profession. <laughs> Just I threw that out there and then everyone chimed in with their own. And uh, of course, a lot of them were Asia and Gaucho because I feel like those are the two albums where they're really tailoring every moment, you know, for a specific uh, feel or something. But yes. um I'm sure a lot, I'm sure a lot of the responses were were from this song just because they're it's like yeah it's it's like an event almost it's it's the the peak for me comes like three minutes 45 seconds into this song and it's specifically when Donald and I think it's Donald according to the credits at least blows on the whistle <laughs> uh, yeah the whistle <laughs> the whistle <laughs> That never, that just like, I, I've been keyed in on that, cued in on that more recently. Like I, it, that was always just kind of back there in the mix somewhere. And I would like, I was generally aware of it, but never like, you know, found it worth thinking about it. But recently it's just been like, there's a fucking whistle in the middle of this song. And that, that is it for me. Like that is, that is the, 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 the perfect moment of transcendence in the entire dis- discography. That was also the moment when I saw them live that I kind of like fell in love with them again because they opened with Black Cow into Asia and they did the whistle. He did the whistle? <laughs> Somebody blew a whistle at the moment. That, and it was just like, they're doing it. They're doing fucking Asia and I'm happy. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Uh, are you going to be on that note? Are you going to be attending uh, the <laughs> the Steely Dan Eagles uh, 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 crossover event of of the year? I uh, I might hold out for something else uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm not really an Eagles fan, so to see Steely Dan open for them is just not. And also, just you know, arena shows in general. I'll every once in a while I'll make an exception and see something that I haven't seen before, but. It's not my my preferred. Yeah, catching them with the beacon uh, or something is is way yeah. better. Yeah, beacon's the way to go. Yeah. On that note, also the Eagles, you brought this. You mentioned this in in the DMs we were sending on Twitter to follow up on our conversation about uh, Lebowski. I can't believe we didn't make this connection. But can you can you give us uh, the the additional line of red string to draw between uh, the Dan and Lebowski? Yeah, I was listening to uh, when you guys were talking about how the Big Lebowski is Dan coded on uh, the the last uh, episode. Uh, but the dude's two best friends are Donnie and Walter. So no that makes way. Me feel like <laughs> I didn't even how did I not hide- exactly that's what I'm saying like that's so uh, like of course but like <laughs> wow it's hiding in plain sight yeah so I feel like that might seal the deal if there was any actual that feels too intentional to be <laughs> random 